0: If you you have your Bibles, please open them up to Colossians chapter 2. If you do not have your Bibles, it might be behind me on the screen. I don't know if that's what she was trying to warn me about. Okay. Um, All right. And we're going to go start with verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. May God bless the reading of his word. Two verses today, everyone. I'll be honest. I know! (laughs) That's just not even right. Um, But no, um, I'll be honest. I honestly thought that this sermon would be really short because it's only on two verses. And then I started editing. (laughs) And then it became, you know, longer. So I apologize for the length of two verses can bring. But I think it's important because um, these two verses are actually foundational for the whole letter. And if you can understand these two verses, the rest of the letter falls in line completely. Um, So let's go ahead and continue. Verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now Paul and Timothy, they shift gears, so to speak. The therefore at the beginning of the verse recognizes all that precedes what came. It is because of what they have experienced previously that the truth, um, of the truth, that they are not, that they are now presenting it significantly. So, what is that truth? Is the question that they have received Christ Jesus the Lord? What we want to ask is, what does it mean for them to receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Does it mean that they have prayed a prayer that they have asked Jesus into their hearts? Does it mean that they have um, assented to Jesus as Lord, speaking out that he is the Lord. Now, this seems unlikely. First, the fact that they have received is significant. It implies that they were given something. The question which we then ask is, what were they given? Well, in context, it seems that it is the proclamation of the gospel from Ephesus. From him, they have received the knowledge of Christ Jesus the Lord. This naturally leads us to consider what that means. Some might think that it means the knowledge of what Christ has done in his death and resurrection. And this is true, but it does also does not go far enough. Paul and Timothy are similar in this sense, to First John. There we find that belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God is essential for the evidence of salvation. However, what we learn then is now is not, not just a partial element of Jesus, but the entirety of Jesus. What that means is, to have received Christ Jesus the Lord is to receive all of his life, his death, and his resurrection. They have received the instruction which Christ called his apostles, which was that they were to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also teaching them all that he commanded. As such, that is what it means for them to have received Christ Jesus the Lord. It means receiving him as Lord, and further receiving all of his identity, which includes his life his death, and his resurrection. This theological point concerning Christ leads to the applicable point, which is that they are told to walk with him or in him. Paul rarely goes far into theology without providing a logical application of the theology. In the case of Christ, receiving all of Christ means that they are able to walk with him, and that means further live according to him. They have received all of Jesus, and because of this, Paul and Timothy expect them to live according to him. Now, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, this idea is further established with verse 7, as we see. Paul uses a number of phrases in order to drive the point home. In particular, there's the horticulture element, uh, to be rooted Represents a plan. In receiving Christ, Christ must be the one in whom they are rooted in. If they are to experience any growth, it will be because of their connection with Jesus. Yet, Paul also talks of being built up in him. This imagery is an obvious obvious one in that it points to the previous image. In the previous point, root implies planted. To be built up implies a building. In both senses, it reflects back on the idea of receiving Christ Jesus. They are to be built up in him in their lives, just as they are to be planted in him. They are to be, as Jesus says in John, the branches attached to the tree or the vine. And elsewhere in Paul, they are to be the building of community, which is founded upon Christ. Both of these elements are tied to the third phrase, which is that they are established in the faith. To be established fits well with the previous two statements. As for a building, it gives a sense of a firm foundation. And for being rooted, it is in good soil. That is the established sense of the faith. It is the faith in Christ which is the foundation piece of their lives. And being established in this faith in Christ allows them to be built up and rooted in him. Now we go back to what we learned in verse 6 and how they had received Christ Jesus the Lord. As it is, they receive Christ through teaching. This teaching was sound, it is true, it is faithful to the proclamation of the entirety of the gospel, of the teachings of Christ and further the apostles. They are being reminded that they have received that which is good and that they should remain on the firm foundation which was laid, which is Christ. This faith, this foundation, these teachings, should lead them ultimately to thanksgiving, to praise. When we consider all of the gospel, and when we remember all that Christ is that we've received, then it should cause in us great joy. In this life and hearts filled with thankfulness over what God has accomplished through his Son. God has given to us the mystery. He has given His own image, now visible, that was once invisible. His own son. Nothing short of gratefulness will suffice for what has been accomplished through his son and all that that entails. Alright. The main point of these two verses are to signal a turning point in the letter. Despite a longer than normal introduction, Paul and Timothy... Now close the opening section and open with the main body of the letter, which will deal with certain ramifications. Those ramifications are founded on these two verses, which stress that it is in Christ their foundation must be built. Believing in Christ as Lord, then, um, will lead to a changed life by definition. Thus, once this theological point is brought into focus, it allows the applicable teaching in their lives. And once that theological point is understood, it will naturally lead to thanksgiving. So I only have really one really long point from all this, and that's Christ Jesus the Lord. Within today's text, we receive the foundational point of the entire letter. As such, these two verses are placed here at this juncture in order for everything which comes after to be built upon, while at the same time not negating anything that came before. So the significance of these two verses cannot be emphasized enough, for it is here that not only do uh, the Colossians find their own grounding for their foundation, but we find ours as well. Now, before we get into the foundational aspect, which we find in today's text, there is something of crucial importance for us to bring forward. Oftentimes, within American Christianity, or even, if you want to say, Western Christianity, we can overemphasize some things while de-emphasizing other things. Unfortunately, this has led to many false doctrines and many wrong beliefs, which permeate the American church especially. Now, I'll give an example of one which I could see arise from today's text. When Paul talks about receiving Christ Jesus, the Lord, many of us might believe that that means a mental assent to Jesus being the Lord, or even more well-known, believing Jesus in your heart. We tend to have this belief that if people pray a prayer and ask Jesus into their heart and accept him as Lord, then they'll be saved. Now, before anyone starts throwing things at me, I'm not saying that these things aren't important. They are vastly important. The problem, however, is we often end with these for our assurances. What I mean is we just ask people if they want to be saved. They say yes, and then we tell them to confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts. The problem with this is that very often the individual has no other concept of what it means to confess Jesus is Lord. All too often, the individual has not actually been taught anything more about Christ, has not received what it means for Christ Jesus the Lord. Because of this false understanding, there are many who have prayed a prayer and asked Jesus into their hearts without having any knowledge of what they're doing. There are many who claim Jesus as Lord, but do not live in any way like he is actually the Lord. Because they have no knowledge of what it means to say, Christ Jesus the Lord. This is all because we have failed to actually identify what it means to receive Christ Jesus the Lord. So what then does it mean to receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Well, it first means instruction. By the time of the letter written to the Colossians, there had been a tradition concerning Jesus. That tradition is in line with his life, his death, and his resurrection faithfully being proclaimed by the apostles. Thus, to receive Jesus is to receive all of him and all he claimed to be. It meant knowing his teachings about life and, more foundationally, about himself. The apostles all understood that Jesus is the cornerstone of the faith. Once that cornerstone had been placed, it opened the doors for the rest of the building to be built up. Just as Christ himself said of himself being that cornerstone that we talked about last week, and further, when he said that he is divine and we are the branches, um, As such, Christ is the focus. Without Christ, we would surely wither away. But if we remain attached to Christ, then we shall have and we shall bear good fruit. So it was that the main thrust of their teachings were primarily on doctrines, on theology, on Jesus Christ. Only after all of Christ had been proclaimed can there be really any real building? So that is the first point that we need to understand when it comes to receiving Christ Jesus the Lord. That which they received is the historic Christian faith. It is the one which is grounded in the truth of Christ himself. His teachings to the disciples, which they taught to others faithfully. His life, his death, his resurrection, was the disciples then faithfully communicated to others. This is received every week when we hear the gospel, when we hear the word of God proclaimed to us. Sometimes people wonder why we meet every Sunday. I think for a lot of people, the idea of coming to church is focused entirely on the emotional appeal. To be surrounded, to be moved, to feel alive. Yet the most important aspect of Sunday mornings isn't that we uh, necessarily feel or what we feel, but what we learn about God. If we aren't learning about God on Sunday mornings, and we aren't being taught the truth, then it is impossible for us to grow, and it is impossible for us to know transformative growth. As it is, when we do hear sound teaching, and we do hear sound preaching on Sundays, then we make ourselves available to receive what the Scriptures teach. It is in this way we find our growth. It is here that we become rooted built up in, and established in the faith. Surrounded by others who are also being encouraged in the same way, being formed by the community, the church family, which we have around us. In order for us to be rooted, built up, and established, however, we must be taught. Teaching, communicating, is the primary way in which we receive that Christ Jesus is the Lord. It is by learning about Him, being taught about Him, that we know Him more and more. And in this way, being able to love Him more and more, receiving more and more of Him in our lives. Now the second point we find is the phrase itself, Christ Jesus the Lord. This statement is central to the Christian faith. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, the Christ, He claimed to be the Son of God Most High. As such, having the knowledge of Christ's most significant teaching about himself is necessary for our foundation, for all of the implications are found therein. If one accepts the greatest of his teachings, which concerns himself, then one would accept all of his teachings. Thus, when we say, Christ Jesus the Lord, it is a statement about the person of Jesus. It is a statement which acknowledges his complete and total authority, his sovereignty. It acknowledges his complete and total preeminence above all things. It takes the hymn earlier in Colossians about Christ being the visible image of the invisible God and believing it. As such, this should cause within us a desire to follow him in all of these ways. To acknowledge Him as He deserves to be acknowledged as the Lord of our lives. If Christ is the Lord of all creation, then that means He should be the Lord of all of our lives. This means that when we live our lives, we are to live according to Him in all ways. Seeking to honor Him in all areas of our lives. It means that we must be willing to take up our cross and follow after Him. It means that when he says to love the Lord your God with all of your hearts, mind, soul, and strength, then we will seek to do so. It is not a request or a recommendation to love God as such. It's a command. It is the commandment upon which all the other commandments are built. Christ allows us to love God in this way because of his atoning work within us. To claim Jesus as Lord is to follow that commandment. It is also to follow the commandment to love one another, to love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because the Lord has commanded us to do so. What does it look like to love God in this way and our neighbors this way? That's when we need to read the rest of what Jesus proclaimed. To learn it, and then this way we will learn what these things look like as he builds upon these foundations that he expounds upon. This leads to the third point in this. And that is the relational aspect we find when we receive Christ. It is very true that we must be taught the ways of Jesus. It is also very true that Jesus is the Lord, that he is the king and the ruler of this kingdom which we inherit. However, what we also acknowledge is that this reception, we also receive something grand, and that is Jesus himself. He wants relationships with us. Now, I want to consider something real quick. And I'm going to read over something that we find in Matthew. Now, consider this. At the time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers outwork in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. So that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests... He commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. All right, now what do we see? During this feast, there is an earthly king celebrating his birthday. All of the elites are invited, and they are well fed by the servants They're there to party, to be served. Ultimately, at this party, there came the death of John the Baptist, who was beheaded for speaking the truth. What does Matthew, then, right after this describe? Verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit on the grass and taking the loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So right after the feast by Herod, we are told of another feast. This feast has commoners, has normal people coming to hear the proclamation of the good news, to be healed, that a light has come into the darkness. Unfortunately, when it came to hear the good news and to be healed, there's not enough food. Little did they know that not only had they a great teacher and healer in their midst, but also the Lord of all creation. He blessed the food, and then all of those in attendance were served enough food to be more than satisfied. Thousands and thousands of people. What do we learn from these two accounts? That Jesus is not like other kings. Instead, he is a king who served. He served these thousands upon thousands. Not only did he serve, but so did his disciples serving others. This same king would wash his own disciples' feet during the Last Supper, teaching them to do likewise. That he was a king who would not be so far above us that we could not reach him, but that we, each of us, could come and be fed, that we could have a relationship with this Jesus, the king. When we receive Christ, then, there is more than just an acceptance. There is more to it than acknowledgement. It means that we receive him as he has made himself known to us. It means that we accept his authority, that we acknowledge he is the Son of God, and that we live according to his word as he proclaimed it, and as it has been passed down from generation to generation to us. All of this leads us to ask ourselves a few questions. These verses that we have looked over today represent the establishment of our faith. The question is, are we being established in our faith correctly? Are we seeking to be taught the truth of Christ Jesus the Lord? Are we seeking to receive all that God offers through Jesus, through his person and through his deeds? Likewise, are we seeking to obey Christ who is the Lord? Are we seeking to be faithful to Jesus who is the king of his kingdom? Are we seeking in all of our ways, every day of our lives, to glorify this Jesus who is our deliverer? Are we seeking to honor the Father by living according to the Son, His visible image? Simply put, it is not enough for us to claim Jesus as Lord and that be the end of the discussion. Even the demons acknowledge that He is the Lord and acknowledge that He is even the Son of God, and yet they remain demons still. It is not enough for us to claim Jesus in one breath and then live however we want to in the next. He desires all of us, every ounce of us, to be given to him in love. Unfortunately, in our current American Christianity, we have allowed ourselves to delude what it means for us to receive Jesus. We have made it into a simple prayer. We have, for some reason, focused so greatly on the simplicity of the message that we have forgotten to expound upon its fruits. We have encouraged others to just profess Jesus as Lord, but have never really told them what that means. So it is, we have many in our society who are far worse because of us than they were before us. At least before we told them that they were believers, before their profession, they didn't think that they were right with God. Now, there are far too many who believe that they are right with God simply because they did a one-time prayer That, however, is not what it means to receive Jesus as Paul describes it. It is not learning just enough. It is to become his disciple through and through, to be founded upon him in all things in this life. This, then, is the warning for all of us. To make sure that we are in the faith. To make sure that we are being disciples of Christ. And to make sure that we are seeking to better learn how to be disciples of Jesus. The place where we find this out is here in church as we assemble together to learn the truth of Jesus Christ and encourage one another in our foundation, which is Jesus. But we must be seeking this above all. Otherwise, we are no longer the church, the body of Christ, but become little more than an emotional hangout with no significance or relevance to our modern culture and worse, no significance to our God. It makes me think of what is written, ironically, to the church of Laodicea in Revelations. Consider what it said. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot, would that you were either cold or hot. So that because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I have need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Do you know what I find so interesting about this? While the letter that we're going over right now was written to the Colossians, Paul has already spoken of the church in Laodicea within the letter we hear him. Interestingly enough, they ended up losing their way. Instead of seeking Christ, the true richness that comes from him, they got lost seeking other forms of riches. Worldly wealth and wisdom. Oh, that God would not spit us out of his mouth, but that we would buy his gold and wear his white garment, which covers our shame and our guilt, that our eyes would be anointed to see. Jesus, it is his gold which is given, his robes which we wear, his throne which we, if we conquer, sit. Christ Jesus the Lord. It's all about Him. And if we get to partake, if we remain faithful to Him in all things, then we too will join. To be faithful to Him in all things means not only accept these theological truths, but then to walk in them. As Paul and Timothy says in the letter, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. This is the reason why we come together each week to be encouraged further into knowing Jesus Christ, to know our God and what He has accomplished throughout history. My encouragement to you is that you know what it means to say Christ Jesus the Lord, and to understand that it means so much more than a profession. It means that you are willingly acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah, the King. Firstborn of all creation, firstborn of the new creation, above all powers, all rulers, all authorities, and that in him the fullness of God dwells. If you believe this, then be founded on it. If you acknowledge this as the truth, then continue to learn even more about this God and what it means for all of your life. Be rooted, built up, and established in the relationship which you now possess through Jesus Christ knowing that those who are rooted in him will never be uprooted, those who are built in will never be unbuilt, and those who are established upon this rock will never be unestablished. For Jesus Christ is strong enough to keep us, and he will keep us if we abide in him. To this we can give all manners of praise and thanksgiving, for our Savior and our King is truly mighty to save. Now, that of course leads us to the gospel. And I think that what we can get from this text from Paul and Timothy is that it's all about Jesus, (laughs) isn't it? It's all about Jesus. Um, And not only that, theology matters, doesn't it? It matters what you believe. Because what you believe will affect the rest of your life. And that's something that, unexpectedly, but I should have expected it today in Sunday school, we've been talking about <laughs> repeatedly, is that how we understand things will affect the rest of our weekly lives. Um, and right now we're talking about how there's this dichotomy within us where we, where we um, kind of separate our spiritual lives from our, the rest of our lives and things like that. Why do we do that? Because we believe it. (laughs) And we believe that's the right way to do it. Now, I would argue that Paul describes something vastly different. That the apostles describe something vastly different. And that Jesus Christ himself is something vastly different. Because he expects us to know him, to love him, to follow after him, and to keep walking with him. Now, all this begins with the origins of life. It all begins with the first cause, and that's God. God is the first cause. He is the one who began all things. He was beginning less. The rest of creation was, had a beginning. Um, and then that means that humans have a beginning. And our beginning is found in God. He created us in his image, in the image of his image, which is Jesus. And as such... We are able to choose. It's because of this we are able to um, have love, find mercy and grace and understand morality and understand reason and things like that. And it's because of this we all have dignity, worth, and sanctity to each of our lives. And that's a great thing. But because of that, because of our ability to choose, we have chose to fall into sin. And because of that, all of our lives are disrupted And because of this, our relationships are disrupted. Our relationship with God is broken. Ourselves and our minds and our hearts are broken. Um, With each other, we just get into fights over petty things. And then also with the world, which we destroy so easily. And the question that we all have to ask ourselves is, okay, when we look at the evil in the world and we look at all the darkness and we look at all of the free choices that we make and they all seem to go into this direction of evil, how do we fix it? The answer that Jesus says is, you can't. (laughs) I can. And that's what Jesus did. Redemption comes in all of these areas of our lives. When we find Jesus, and when we look and we see all of who Jesus is, and we take into account all of his life, his death, and his resurrection, and we believe it. That we have faith in Jesus, the one who has atoned us, and understanding what it means to be atoned. To have faith in Jesus and to understand that the redemption that he brings is a full and complete and total redemption of who we are. That your whole being is redeemed. So that when you go out and you paint a picture, you can do it unto the glory of God. So that when you love your spouse or your grandchildren, you can do it for the glory of God. All things... When you study the scriptures, you can do it for the glory of God. When you study other books, you can do it for the glory of God. When you just have fun, you can do it for the glory of God. The redemption is a wonderful thing. Because through Christ Jesus and the knowledge that we gain through him, we can be redeemed and that redemption will bring a change in our life so that we will walk with him in repentance and faith. Now the end result. What happens to those who do repent and have faith in Jesus? They enter into glory. They don't face a judgment of the second death. They will live forever because Jesus Christ is the life. And we have life if we are in him. There is hope for humanity. There is hope in the darkness. It's found in Jesus. So, as we consider all that we read in Colossians, and as we consider the foundational elements of our faith, let's not forget it, but let's continue to be built up in it. Let's continue to have all of us be renewed by what Jesus has done. Because that's what we're called to. And if you do this, how do I put this? <laughs> if you do this, if you accept all of this and if you follow after Christ every day of your life and you continue to reach for him you'll find his hand is there to pull you along so let us pray Father we thank you for what you have done through your son Jesus Christ and we thank you for all that you have accomplished through him and we ask Lord for your strength we ask for your wisdom and your guidance we ask that we would be a people who would prepare ourselves for good fruit. That we would be planted, that we would be rooted, that we would be built up in Jesus Christ. Because we know that if we have this foundation of Jesus, that when we build upon that foundation, there will be growth. And so, Lord, we ask for this, that you would continue to lead us in our ways. And that you would be glorified through each and every one of us now and forevermore. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Please rise.